Good evening and welcome to episode 351 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandunga Kumalo. It's the Wednesday edition of the Private Property Podcast. If you join us for the first time, welcome to an incredible family. We will always tackle uh, all things relating to real estate, help each other on our property journeys and absolutely, absolutely love supporting each other, sharing tips and tricks uh, with one another. Do make sure that you follow us across our other social media pages and join the rest of the other uh, you know, family members. And if you're watching us on Facebook, you will see all the love uh, that we always get uh, from the other members of the family. And of course, to our regular viewers, welcome back. You know how we do it every single weekday. You and I have an appointment at 7 p.m. where we're always in conversation with a property expert who helps us navigate our property journey. doesn't matter where you are in the property journey. This is your one-stop shop where we're always tackling uh, some or other thing relating to property and of course you also know that you can catch other amazing shows on our social media platforms uh, it is a wednesday so sd class and it's going to be coming to your screens with the first time home buyers show and every tuesdays and thursdays umbali nuoko brings you the farming podcast and she's running a great series the gardening series uh, that i'm absolutely loving yesterday debuted looks absolutely beautiful so do make sure to keep up with that one especially if you're running your own garden you many of you know i've you know got green fingers and uh trying to grow my own veggies and then and, and herbs um it's actually currently raining now that's why i'm even wearing headphones we for the first time experiencing heavy rains and thunder so i, I know that the garden is going to be uh, quite happy for that one so do make sure that you tune into that show to get those tips and tricks uh, to tend to your garden and every mondays and fridays chad brings you the home shoppers show where he's always giving us amazing tours of exquisite properties that you can find on www.private property.co.za and those are the great shows that you can catch every single weekday at 8 p.m right here across private properties social media pages and of course there's myself every weekday at 7 p.m on your screens talking property uh, and before we get to this evening's conversation that i'm very excited about it's part two of a conversation that we had during wheels week uh looking at the importance of having a will and i'm joined by erofal nigar uh, before I even introduce him, remember that we're running that competition on our Facebook page. And this evening, I'm, I think it's one of those things we want to give away this money all the time. Uh, so halfway through the show, we'll get a sense of who is this evening's winner and if they're going to walk away with the money in the money bag. I think we're, we're back at five, 500 rands in the money bag, if I remember. Uh, or I think it may have rolled over. My memory is now a bit dodgy. And, and of course, all you have to do to enter that competition at home is to respond to and comment rather to the post that we've put up on our Facebook page is the pinned post. And make sure that you're watching us live uh, on the show in order to claim your prize. I see the money in the money bag is 1,000 rands. So that's how much you stand a chance of winning. It's, it's actually a great way to, to end off the quarter. It's month end. You know, having that little bit of extra cash uh, is always a good idea. Well, let's get into it this evening. I am joined by Adolf Alnigar, who's a head. of business development uh, virtual health good evening and thank you so much for coming back uh, to part two of our conversation this evening hi zama how's it to all the viewers uh, it's awesome to be back thanks 
Mm. You know, I think Adolf, before we even get to part two of the conversation, for some of the viewers who you know who missed the the first bit, definitely urge you to listen to it. We had Adolf, uh, you know, in September during Wheels Week, and we're really exploring the importance of having a will and looked at what even goes into a will. One of the big things that came out of that conversation was you obviously have to have witnesses that sign the you know the will, and the fundamentally big thing that we came up with because I think many of us sometimes struggle with it and by no fault of our own is that you cannot have the witnesses be the beneficiaries because that is going to create uh, havoc that you do not want so even, even if we already know you're drafting it as a family and everybody's happy witnesses should not be the people who are beneficiaries of that particular will. Um, and I think, you know, Adolf, I am already not going to even have a start at the very top because we, were, we already covered so much. So, so for the people who missed part one, definitely go to part one. We're going to pick it up from where we left off because I already said that there was still so much I wanted us to, you know, to go through and, and still cover. And I think out of where we had actually, you know, left off because we now got a sense of, you know, make sure that you don't have uh, you know, destroy a previous will uh, the moment you sort of want to update your will. So sometimes instead of updating it manually and scratching off things that could be disputed, rather just destroy that other one and always have only one, you know, copy of, of, your, of your will or one version of your will. Now, when, when we pick it up from there, because that's actually where we left it off last last year in the event i mean last two weeks ago so in the event where you then make the amendments and i think give us a few tips with people who perhaps may not as i just said you know may not let's say scratch um or rather who may not create a new will uh, but still just want to make amendments there so what what for people who are going to make you know amendments to to the new will what are some of the things that they need to be make sure that they are, are still in place with that particular will. Because I think sometimes they think, oh, I did all those other things. I had witnesses. Maybe this one, Nje, it's just me and I submitted. So what are still some of the fundamentals um, when you then make that amendment to the will? Okay, thanks, Alma. Alma, so what I understand is that then we have a, a scenario, and you must now be right, that the person will not retype the whole will. You will make an amendment on the will with a pen. Um, and so the most important thing is first do it as neatly as possible. So um, be very precise on which words or phrases you are deleting with your pen. Then make 100% sure that you write, um, that, you, that if, you, if it must be a massive paragraph, that you want to delete, make it clear that you are deleting that paragraph. But usually people want to just fix the, the date of birth or they just want to fix the, the name of the car or the name of the property or they just want to delete that property. So make sure you delete just the word or the phrase that's necessary. Then if it's a joint will, make sure you and your the, the testator and the testatrix sign in full with the witnesses the witnesses must sign in full wherever there's amendments. And that's the, that's the simplest you, you can keep it. As soon as, as I said again, as soon as you start to make an amendment on the top of the page and at the bottom of the page and then the third page in the middle, it's becoming a bit messy. So rather than just type the will 
or do the will uh, from scratch. Mm-mm-mm. And, you know, Adolf, when we then look at, uh, you know, a will and some people, for instance, will typically have a life insurance policy. How do those two then sort of link up? Because I think a lot of us, uh, and, and when I say us, I really want to say, you know, black people will have life policies or funeral covers sometimes, and a will won't necessarily be in place for the most part. And we'd have instances where, you know, family members or siblings are fighting for the mother's uh, life insurance policy amount. So how do those two then uh, kind of relate to each other? Okay. So Zama, if you, if you give me an opportunity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to park a bit on this topic because this is the most sensitive topic of them mm. all. And mm. also we are experiencing in our industry in the fiduciary environment and where the executives need to wind up their state. This is where the biggest challenges comes up. And let me explain to you why. Mm. So life insurance creates in general um, liquidity in the estate um, and if I say liquidity, I refer to cash being available to the executor or to the family to settle debt. So that once the, once the property had a bond, for example, the bond can be settled and the property can be transferred. And there's mm-hmm. enough fees to settle the property, transfer fees, executor's fees, possible capital gains tax, etc. So... When we speak about life insurance in our industry, in at APSA, the data is as follows: that fifty-two percent of all the estates that we wind up does not have sufficient liquidity. So, what it means is that if there is not sufficient cash in the estate, it sometimes can be a, a challenging situation for the executor, and it becomes a, a bitter pill to swallow you know, for the family and the beneficiaries. Because what happens now is it becomes a difficult conversation Mm. because somebody needs to to provide that cash. And if nobody can provide the cash, then the sad thing is that the executor needs to make decisions on how we can generate cash. Mm. And then it becomes at the point where you need to sell property. So on the the life insurance part, I I break it down in, in three legs. So, and, and this is what works for me to explain it to people. So you will always need liquidity in the state. So you can quickly do a liquidity calculation. In, in, at Virtual Advice, at IEFA Virtual Advice, we, do, we can do a quick liquidity uh, calculation, which means we can quickly help you determine what is the amount of cash you will need to settle all your liabilities and the transfer fees. Not living expenses, not, not making sure your beneficiaries are looked after, just liquidity. Mm. Um, the, the next part is that we try, uh, it's important that we take the world's wishes and we link it to a financial needs analysis. And part of that is estate planning. So let to in layman's terms is to explain this to you. Is a person will write the will and he will say property A and property B must go to my wife. Um, the children must get the cars and I want to bequeath a million bucks to my granddaughter. Now, when the will has been read out by the executive, he sees there's a wish by the testator and testatrix to bequeath a million bucks to their granddaughter. But he can't find the million bucks. There's, there's no million rand in the estate. All right. So it's simple. It's easy to write the wish, but to execute on the wish, it's, it's, it's a different story. And for you to make sure that the will can be executed, we do financial needs analysis and estate planning with the will. You must 
do a will together with estate planning and a financial needs analysis. In, in fact, I want to I wanna actually correct myself to say that rather do a will with estate planning. A financial needs analysis is something different, but when it comes to wills and the execution of will, do proper estate planning. So estate planning talks about um, if you have a good estate plan done by a proper uh, uh, and, and um, an experienced financial advisor, you will say to you that, let's look at your will. Now let's look at the estate plan. If the estate plan and the will can speak to each other and can execute your wishes, we're on the good path. And what, what I always suggest to, to customers uh, and, and the public is to make sure that your estate plan and your will is together at one place in a file. So for simple reasons. Um, if the executor then, then must start working on the estate and he's got the estate plan, you can see that, okay, it was prepared that this life insurance will be bequeathed to this person and this life insurance will go to this estate and this life insurance was planned to settle this debt. So it makes the life of the executor much easier and it doesn't give any headaches to the beneficiaries in the air and, and, and the people that must benefit from the estate. So... Mm -hmm. Another thing that's important is we recommend that once you do a state plan and the will, do a financial needs analysis. So the financial needs analysis is once the estate has been rounded up and the estate planning was executed with the will, then there's people that will need to live from, uh, from the, the money that you left them. And especially if you were the main breadwinner and you were the, mm -hmm. the one that brought 80 or 90% of income home, those people, and I said it before, if I have a property and I've got three cars, but I can't pay the petrol and the insurance and I, and, and I can't take the children to the school and I can't feed them, what's the use? I will start to sell of those assets to just live of it. So a financial needs analysis, what it says is you take what you, you describe what you need, you describe what you have, and in the middle, there's a gap and we call it the shortfall. Mm -hmm. And we, we determine with the financial needs analysis, what is the shortfall? And it determines, for example, if you are 30 years old and, you're, and you pass away today, how, how, how long would you like to provide for your wife and your children? So usually it's another 30 or 40 years. So the older you get, uh, the, the shorter the, the gap becomes because you've got, you should have lesser dependence. So the, the shortfall becomes less. But the younger you are and the more dependence you have, the, the bigger the shortfall. I don't know if that, that addresses a bit of the insurance with the will a bit. You, you, you know, at all, not only does it address it, but it actually links it even in a way that I actually, I hadn't, you know, thought through. And I, I suppose it's also because no, no, no children, no dependents, so really don't think about it too much. And you're correct. I think oftentimes we will say, you know, if you've got a property or whatever, let's say it's a car and it might not even be paid up, uh, you're giving X, Y, Z when actually there was still quite a, a, a bit of debt in those things that you're also trying to, you know, pass over. And, and, and I think it actually leads very well then to, to my next question, which is in the event that there's outstanding debt, for instance, on a home loan. Uh, so whether it's only, for example, the primary residence or if you've got investment properties, but when you essentially have a home loan, uh, you know, does the beneficiary of, of the will also inherit that particular, we'll say, problem? So the, the house, two million, uh, when you pass away, it's still owing 1.5. Um, so is the beneficiary getting you know, almost inheriting that 1.5, you know, debt, how does it then, uh, you know, effectively work out? 
So Zama, again, a, a great question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be um, bold and and use uh, my me and my wife as an example and how mm. I've done our estate planning. So with our estate planning, I made it clear to my uh, I explained to my wife that there will not be cash in the estate, but there will be enough money paid out to her to settle the liabilities. Okay. So, so for example, we have planned it in this way, and I'm not saying this is the answer. I'm saying you advise and you can sit. But for us, my need was this: that um, that Yulandi will receive money upon my death, and that the executor will come to her and say to her, "Listen, you are the beneficiary for property A and, and assets B and C and D, and but there's no cash in the estate. Adolf did not leave any money bequeathed to the estate." It, it did a lot of life insurance policies, but it was all bequeathed to you. So mm-hmm. how are you going to do this? And then Yulani is prepared she, because I shared the estate planning with her and she will go to the executor. No issue. Give me the, the details where I must pay the money into to settle the, the debt so that you can transfer the property over to my name. And then there's no issue. So it doesn't mean your life insurance must be paid to the estate. In fact, that just, just for interesting sake, is if your beneficiaries uh, 100% is on the same page that what's happening on your estate planning. It's better to bequeath the money to their beneficiary. And it's simple reasons that if the money goes to a beneficiary and they are well aware that the, what they need to do with the money, the executor can't take a fee on that money. So remember, an executor can only take a fee. And maybe some of my absolute colleagues will go, but, but Adolf, you know, the executors need to live. Yeah, they can live. It's fine. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but what I'm trying to say is, an executor can generate fee from the property he needs to transfer. But if he doesn't handle the money, if he doesn't, so if money goes directly from a life insurance policy to a beneficiary, he doesn't handle the money. So he cannot take fees on it. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So um, to to come back to the beneficiaries, if your beneficiaries are, and I don't know how many parents does that, you know, and I think it's great that the parent sits around with the children and say, listen, it's not a it's not a a hot topic, but the reality is someday we will pass on. It's not if it's when, and I want you to know that there is the will, there is the estate plan, <laughs> there is some insurance that's bequeathed to you and you and you, and this is how I want you to deal with the insurance. I can't regulate or, or dictate from the grave, but know that the executor will come to you guys and say to you, "There's no money in the estate," and that you will know that that amount I've bequeathed to you must be used to settle the debt. If mm. not, it's a reality that then it becomes a long process to wait for cash and it's just it's just pulling out the whole process of winding up the estate and then eventually property must be sold at the unfair value and that's not what you want Ah, oh, and it's definitely not something you know that people want. Nomvula, going to your questions and comments at home. Nomvula Mitsuneng saying, "Imagine leaving this world, then people deci- decide to sell your house and sharing, uh, you know, uh, crying faces there, which is quite a big one, right?" Um, and Umenzi Butelezi here saying, "The bond insurance covers your outstanding bond uh, debts should you die. That's the policy I took on both the primary and the investment property. And and I mean, I know this bond cover. It's a great bond cover." Not everybody takes the bond cover. It's not a requirement for you to have that particular, you know, cover. And so you tend to find that some people think, ah, no, this is just another thing that's being sold to me. And sometimes I don't see the value in it in that moment, um, unfortunately. And and I think this is these are the conversations that.
that uh, you should be having with your partner or certainly your children uh, because we know that we see the fights, right? And more often than not, they're just unnecessary. And people, other people end up making quite a lot of money from hard-earned money that, you know, your parents you know, put away as much as they could and worked towards or that your partner put away. Uh, and I even like the insight that Adolf is sharing that, look, if, if everybody's on the same page, uh, you already cut out, you know, one, one party that gets a, a piece, that would get a piece of the, the, the money in the event where there are disputes. So you also want to be as a as possible um, as a family. I want us to go for a quick break and see who the lucky winner is uh, of this evening's uh, you know, cash prize. We've got a thousand rands that's in the money bag. Uh, before we come up, I see all the love that we're getting. Vanessa now watching, Everencha Padachia is also watching, Tulu Semenya, Sandy Stemet, uh, Paulina Nkosi, Andre Pitot. I see all those comments. Nomvula Mutsaneng saying, Mutsaneng saying, I still stand where I said, in part one that a will is very important no matter what and it really is a key thing that i think so many of us sometimes take for granted but i want us to go for a quick break see who the lucky winner is of that 1000 rand that is in the money bag and we're going to come back with more uh, insights on the importance of having a will and of course i'm in conversation with adolf van niger let's see who the lucky winner this evening is And the ah, and this evening's winner is TK Kumalo. Bulazumyam, I hope you're watching wherever you are. TK Kumalo uh, is the lucky winner. I can confirm I don't know who TK Kumalo is, <laughs> so it's not an inside thing. Uh, and I do hope that if they're watching, they'll be able to to claim that prize. Ontunga are always winners, so I, I do hope he's at the very least able to make sure that he comes on to claim that 1,000 rands. Uh, I won't congratulate him just. because we need to make sure that he comes in or that rather he is already in uh, to claim that prize. Uh, you know, Adolf, one of the things I, I mean, I'm keen to hear because you've even shared it as we're sharing you know, the way that you've planned uh, your own family estate is, is there a limit on the number of different life policies that you can get? You know, or can I get you know, a life policy? Let's say, for example, I make all of them a million rand, uh, but with four different you know, service providers, as opposed to having one that is four million rands. Like, is there a limit uh, when it comes to life policies that we take uh, in terms of the number of policies? Zama, um, again, it's it's a great question, and sorry, there's a lot of uh, um, there's a lot there's a big storm on this side. So if the signal goes lost, I apologize. But to come back to your question, um, you can't limit the amount of policies, but when you go to insurer, I think everybody needs to understand the insurer is willing to take the risk for a premium. So the insurer will then determine how much insurance you you need to to especially keep your living standards and what is what is a type when it comes to enriching so for example the sad thing is Amal, we, we get unfortunately we, we're in a broken world and we've got fraudsters out fraudsters mm. out there mm. so when you usually apply for life insurance they don't look at the amount of policies you have they look at the 
amount of cover you have for a certain for a certain benefit. So, for example, um, you've got life cover, then you've got disability cover, and then you've got income protection and dread disease. So, there's one benefit which we call dread disease um, that that covers cancer and stroke and and uh, um, um, heart attacks, et cetera, et cetera, and various diseases, there's no, there's, a, there's no limit, but the standard in the industry is in the norm is 4.5 million. But when it comes to income protection, lump sum disability and life cover, the only limit that determines is your current living, uh, living lifestyle. So when you apply, your insurer should ask you uh, what is your current gross income, and what is your current uh, living expenses, especially when it comes to um, determining how much cover they think is fair, but they have their calculations. So it does happen sometimes that people will apply, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to business assurance. So when example, uh, a property owner wants to cover his commercial property and they apply for insurance and the insurer will ask, but do you have other insurance in place to cover this property upon death or disability. If he says yes, then they will they will do investigation with other insurers. So there's a there's a a, um, a body. I think it's called ASISA, and they go and check. Um, uh, so all the life insurance is linked to this this system, and they go and see what is the type of insurance and the amount that you have. Mm. The bottom line is you can have hundred policies, but the value and the total sum assured. Of all the policies combined, there is a limit, and it's depending on your income and mm. your needs. So mm. there is always a rule that the mm. insurer will apply. So, so that means, Adolf, I can't, uh, you know, decide. Look, I'm going to to take up life insurance that's uh, for sixty million rands when I'm nowhere near that lifestyle at the moment. And even if I say, look, I'll take the premium. So even if the premium is, you know, twelve thousand rands a month, I'm like, it's fine. I'll take the premium uh, as long as the payout is going to be sixty million rands. I mean, that, I mean, look, I I also understand it because I think at some point you you're not trying to uh, as you were saying, enrich. I think one of the key things with that kind of insurance is that you want to make sure that your death doesn't, uh, you know, financially cripple your family or sometimes even has them, you know, losing things, having to get out of school or not being able to maintain the kind of lifestyle that uh, they had prior mm. to uh, you passing away. Now, Adolf, then what happens in the event where a minor is, you know, is a, uh, is a beneficiary? Um, how, how is that impacted when it comes to how the will gets executed? Okay, passionate about this, Zama. Thanks. I actually get goosebumps when you ask this question. So the first thing that must come to mind is, remember, the law of a minor is that it's a person that's under 18 years old. So if you just think about this um, for a moment and you take it that, let's say we had a, a child that's 10 years old and we pass away both my wife, me and my wife in a car accident. Touches so this, yeah, 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 I mean, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'll get you. <laughs> um, when we have a property estate plan and a will in place, what we, is critical in that will is that the few, is it's who's the guardian of that child. And you usually want to point a guardian that is not... Um, is he or she is financially independent. So meaning um, they don't want to 
be like Jaws and await an opportunity to, oh, here's, here's money coming from Adolf and Yolandi's estate, you know? So the mm. person must be financially sound. He must know how to work with money and is there for the, to look for the benefit of your child. So that's the first thing. Who will be your guardian? The second thing is on the will is make sure you, you refer and you, your wish is that a testamentary trust is drafted and that the trust for the child is immediately set up once you pass away. So all that it happens, I want to explain it as a safe haven. So it's like a net where all the money for your child is going into this account, but nobody can come and fetch this money without approval from the trustees. And what you usually then do is in your will, you, you name who that trustees must be. And usually you appoint more than one trustee. So when it comes in our space, what we usually suggest for customers is uh, let APSA Trust be one of the trustees and let the family member or two family, family members be co-trustees. Because what is nice about this is the trustees will never benefit from that money that is that must go to your minor. They must manage it for the benefit of the minor. They will never benefit from it. Mm. So it's who will be your guardian, who will be your trustees, and make sure there's a testamentary trust. The sad thing is if you don't stipulate this proper, properly in your will, uh, for a minor, money is then paid, what we call it, to a guardian's fund. And the guardian's fund will then, it's fine, they will keep the money for the for the for the minor but only until age 18 and that's where the other challenge now comes in and just think about this summer if you when you and me were still 18 years old and let's say at that stage for whatever reason we inherited five million bucks um and the money the money must be paid out because it was not proper uh, a proper testamentary trust in place what would you do with five million bucks when you're 18 years old Okay, now how many friends will you have? Look, I mean, I, don't, I won't lie. At 18, I actually already had an interest in property. <laughs> I would have probably bought a, a building uh, and, and wouldn't but have that's done you. thorough research. That's right? you. Okay. But, but I know many of us would have bought a car probably uh, and all sorts of you know, crazy things and probably yeah. hosting all kinds of parties. Uh, and, and I've seen those, those stories, unfortunately, where at 18, you're suddenly you're a millionaire at a drop of a hat. And often within a year, two years max, all of it is gone. And you don't even have you know, an asset that's paid off to show for it. And you'd be like, there was a time there was 3 million in my account that literally went in and you're swiping and swiping everywhere. And it's, it's always just so sad to, to hear of those stories. So, so to come back, exactly. So I, have, I had the scenario where an advisor said that he's sitting with a problem. There's a testimony trust drafted, but the age was still 21. So when we advise customers, we advise that that age, when you will give the minor the access to that money, you can determine that age, but don't think it will, it will not be for the benefit of the, of, the, of the minor. And remember what happens is when your minor or when your child needs to go to school, needs to study, needs to drive to the college, need, needs clothes. It's not that the, the trustees uh, will not look after the beneficiaries' needs, the, 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 the minors' needs, but they will manage and determine what is a need and what is a want. And, and that's where the balance comes in. 
And the purpose of the trustees then will be to say, it's clearly stipulated that our testamentary trust says that you will only have access to this money at age 25 or 30. In the meantime, we will make sure that you are that your studies are paid for, that you get a living expense, that you get a property to live in, that you get a car to drive, and that you have clothes to wear, you've got medical scheme. But we're not going to waste money. We're going to preserve it as much as possible. And that's the benefit of a proper drafted testamentary trust in your will. Mm. And, and Adolf, when we then talk about that testamentary trust, one of the things uh, you know, a financial advisor I was speaking to and having this conversation uh, with, and even other friends who we talk about wills, is you know, this notion of, of sort of running uh, people's lives from the grave because some wills can be you know, quite hectic and it's almost a you're still dictating from the grave. Are, are, you know, parents, loved ones, whoever, you know, drafts this will, can you make one of the provisions, for instance? So you already say that, uh, let's say that you make the full, the full amount uh, at age, let's say 21. Are you able to also, for instance, include that at that age, whether it's 21 or 25, sometimes I've seen where it's 30, that they must already have, for instance, an honors degree uh, and that in the in failure to have obtained, you know, tertiary degree X, then, you know, you can't give it. So it's either it's at 25 on condition that education level X is met. Uh, and if it's not met by, let's say, age 28, for instance, then this money goes to charity, for instance. Like, is that something that can actually be included in a will? Uh, I mean, I've heard of very few rare instances, and I know some parents are already I'm preemptively thinking, we are having open conversations. We're telling the children, you know, there's this money, there's this world, there's this. And we know we're doing it from, from a preparing the children. They're already going to be you know, in shock should your know, parents pass away. But unfortunately, out of the flip side of it, we also know that kids can get very easily lazy and complacent, knowing that, well, I mean, I know at 21, I'm going to get 3 million why do I need to do you know anything? And even though from 18 to 21 they're being taken care of, but they, there isn't that sense of I'm now taking responsibility. I still want to be you know a member of society. Are parents able to put you know provisions of that nature? Okay, so Zama, the the answer is yes. I mean they can put as many and as much conditions mm -hmm. as they want to. The the sensitivity about this is, and I just want to come back to to what I spoke about the children. That mm. open conversation with the children, usually you will have with a person that's an adult and that knows how to deal with money. A person that's a minor, you don't have that conversation with him. You have that conversation with your trustees that's on your will and the guardian that's been nominated on your will. They need to know about this. So so usually, I mean, if you if you take the sad, uh, you know, examples where, where with COVID, the children loses their mom and their dad, and it's young parents and the young children, they don't need to know about the detail. But what they need to know is once they get older, they will hear that their parents drafted a great will and a trust for them. And they, and they made sure that there's a good guardian and a good trustee set up for them that protected their money so that when they get older and they've got more... Um, They've got better stewardship and value for money. They will know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So so to come back is you can put the conditions, but we also had some court cases in the past where 
the husband, for example, wrote that he wants his wife to receive this amount of living expenses. But the thing is, he drafted the will in 1980, and then he passed away in 2010. So he never amended his will. So yeah. then there was a court case to say, but what was the intention of the testate? And then it becomes, you know, the, and, and remember, trust, the trustees cannot go over and above what is the rule set up in the testamentary trust. They must adhere to that rule. Mm -hmm. So all I'm saying is that you must be very careful why you want to put certain conditions. But I must also be, I must also be honest with you that we had, we had circumstances where the parents come to us and say, listen, my, my child cannot work with money. My child is 45 <laughs> years old um, and this is happening. And we must then still make sure that there's a trust for this 45 years old Oh for the 45 year old child because they they just they use it on the wrong stuff yeah so then yeah, the children yeah. comes and say but why must this money go into trust your parents wanted to make sure that you get benefits from this money as long as possible so mm. we are just executing what your parents wanted to us so it's about the why you put that condition and how stringent you want to be but you you can put the conditions whatever you want but just mm. be careful that you don't as you say Dictate from the, your intention must be valid, Zama. The intention mm. is always a question. Mm -mm. Uh, and you know we're running out of time again because this really is one of those I almost think we must do a series when it comes to this because it's it's a pressure point for for us you know children people have children sometimes have even uh you know their parents and we we tend to shy away when it comes to talking about finances at this granular level and even communicating these things to you know to your children or to your spouse because you think ah this one they were going to now be banking on me you know passing away or whatever the the, the case is um before i wrap up though at all what then becomes the time frame of you know estates being wind up because we, we hear stories of of sometimes even four or five years after the you know somebody has passed away and the state still hasn't been round up uh you know, give us a sense of what what makes the process and i mean just based on this conversation i know viewers at home already have gotten a sense of what makes it easier but what makes the the process quicker and the quickest one how long typically is that and what are some of the the challenges that then make it so thrown out that you sometimes still have people who are like seven years you know after somebody has passed away and the state still hasn't been adequately round up okay so zama pre uh, uh, pre covid when when everything was in place your will was in place um there's sufficient liquidity there's a proper plan drafted. Everybody knows what's to do. And the executor doesn't have to run around. It took six months to settle an estate. Past COVID, when everything is in place, we're speaking about nine months to a year. And the, the reason is because of the amount of, of estates that, has, that must be registered and, and distributed and resolved with the master of high court. So there's, there's too many work and too little, too little resources. So you can now prepare yourself for, I will, I will be conservative to say, yeah. Um, and the sad thing is if these, if the will and the liquidity and the estate planning is not in place and not properly planned, um, then the time is unlimited. I mean, we still know, I'm, I'm sure they, there's, there's people watching that says it's been five years, it's 10 years. Uh, we don't know when the estate will be winded up. So mm. my, my, my suggestion is, you know, we always speak about this. Um, go and review your will. Uh, make sure that you're comfortable with the 
with how money must be distributed and if there's sufficient funds. Um, speak to your trusted advisors or family and let them know where the world is and what must happen. And if you can trust your, your family and relatives with it, do so. But it will make it will make their lives much easier, Zama, if you just mm. plan properly. It's like it's like writing an exam. I, I spoke to you about my exam that I wrote last week. You know, mm. you can't go into the exam and expect that it will go absolutely smooth, but you didn't prepare. And the same is with the will and the winding up of the estate. You can't expect that your family will have a smooth ride resolving the estate, but you didn't plan properly. Mm. So la- rather do it properly and we can help with that. We would love to mm. help with that. Mm. I think if, if you want to you know, get in touch with uh, the team, we have shared their contact details down here below. Uh, and I think Ella, that's a great place you know, to leave it at. You've certainly given me a, a lot of insight uh, that I also hadn't thought. By the time I, if I ever am crazy enough to, to have children, uh, I think I at least already have some insights and tips on how to best manage the family You'll estate. not be crazy to have children, Zama. It's a privilege <laughs> to have children. <laughs> and of having children is crazy. <laughs> All that money, I always just think of tuition fees. You know, when you look at how much crash alone just cost you like, oh my word i get a heart attack uh but i don't we're going to leave it there this evening thank you so much for joining us and for indulging us for part two uh of this conversation it's been a pleasure to have you on the show yes thanks i appreciate and that is Adolf Fanigar, who's the head of business development, virtual distribution, and APSA insurance and financial advisors. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamantunga Kumalo. Unfortunately, TK Kumalo, you've disappointed me. He was not watching us live. And so we're going to have 1,500 rands rolling over to in the money bag for tomorrow's show. I'm unfortunately not going to be with you tomorrow, so I'll be back on your screens on Friday. Uh, until then, of course, at 8 p.m., you can look forward to the First Time Home Buyers Show with Esty Clarsen, uh, and I'll be back on Friday. Until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe. <laughs>